Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. In our prior podcast, we presented summary data illustrating the U.S. and global economies are neither in a growth mode nor in a healthy position for 2023. Today, our focus is on the consumer as well as the Federal Reserve since both are saddled with historically high debt that is destroying purchasing power as well as adding to the likelihood of higher future interest rates. The latest consumer credit data is flashing more, at least two more, serious risks just ahead. First, the total amount of credit card debt has hit a new all-time high, which predictably is correlated to the U.S. savings rate, which is at all-time lows. The combination of record high credit card debt and record high credit card interest rates is nothing short of catastrophic for both the U.S. economy and the strapped consumer who has no choice but to keep buying on credit while hoping next month's bill will somehow not come. Unfortunately, it will, and at some point in the very near future, this will also translate into massive loan losses for U.S. consumer banks. That's when Chairman Powell will finally turn again to quantitative easing to replace the recent quantitative tightening. On the plus side, it does appear the big U.S. banks are diversified enough and flooded with enough reserves for now to deflect attention from spiking charge-offs on their balance sheets. Even though the credit loss provisions across the big four banks did, in fact, jump the most in a decade, and that includes the whole period of the COVID shock. Some of the smaller credit card companies can no longer avoid the reality that the U.S. consumer has finally cracked and a wave of defaults is coming. For example, Discover Financial Services, DFS, a credit card issuer which traditionally targets low- to middle-income households and which last week reported earnings that are so negative that Wall Street dubbed them shocking. Once again, the so-called experts were caught flat-footed. Discover actually stunned the major Wall Street analysts by their official forecast. DFS, Discover Financial Services, did forecast last week that its bad debt charge-offs would climb as high as 3.9% this year, which is more than double the 1.8% net charge-off rate it booked for all of last year. And that itself was about 100 basis points higher than the 2.8% consensus estimate. Since the 3.9% is a net number, the gross charge-offs will likely hit 5% or more, a level not seen outside of painful recessions. For perspective, all of the quarterly charge-off rates for Discover during 2021 and 2022 were well below their future expectation. Here's some additional perspective if you have access to the Bloomberg Terminal. Credit cards typically reach their peak loss rates about 18 months after credit origination. That means that Discover is expecting losses to tick up this year on accounts that started in 2021, which was a much bigger year for credit card growth in 2020, when the pandemic forced the company to cut back on new business. Starting last year, Discover 
began gradually tightening underwriting standards by offering smaller lines of credit to new customers, although the combination of recession plus tapped-out consumers will ensure a surge in future charge-offs as a result. Here are some of the analyst reactions to Discover's forecast. Piper Sandler, quote, While DFS's top line was stronger, it missed estimates mainly because of an increase in provisions due to its credit card growth, along with higher operating growth. You can read this comment as stagflation, in my opinion. The analyst at Piper Sandler also notes the rapid charge-off rate will likely be an issue across the entire industry due to the outsized growth in credit card debt over the past two years. At Oppenheimer, their, quote, consensus shocker is DFS's guidance. It likely means charge-offs near 5% this year. KBW says that it was better than expected quarter, but the outlook for net charge-offs is likely weighing on the Discover stock. Citigroup. Quote, while likely a positive long term, investors will likely question growing consumer loans by double digits as we likely enter into a recession. DFS shares tumbled as much as approximately 8%, their biggest drop in six months, before recovering some of the losses. The company's results also weighed on rivals Capital One and Synchrony with all three credit card issuers among the worst performers in the 67-company S&P 500 Financials Index. As for the company's charge-off or bad debt forecast, we can assume that it was made with the company not making a recession its base case. So throw in a recession, a tapped-out consumer with a record low savings rate, which means most middle-class spending is now funded on credit, and you have a potentially explosive mixture. Now we'll discuss interest rates and the Federal Reserve. Remember that as interest rates go up, bond prices go down instantaneously, as this is just the math. Also, recall that the Fed has been the major buyer of U.S. government debt for years, building up a government debt and related portfolio totaling more than $8 trillion, almost half of the U.S. gross national product. How would you like to absorb the losses on an $8 trillion portfolio that goes down as interest rates go up. Pretty scary. The Federal Reserve issued a press release with their results for 2022 a week or so ago. For the first time in 107 years, the Fed will report an operating loss for the year 2022. The Fed has been accruing a net loss from operations on a weekly basis since September 21st, 2022, when they raised the Fed funds rate to the range of three to three and a quarter percent. Since then, the Fed has increased the Fed's fund rate twice for an additional 125 basis points, and the weekly losses have grown. The Fed will continue to raise the Fed funds rate in their fight against inflation. My takeaway from following the Fed for many years is this simple. Don't follow just what they say but look at what they don't say. For example, last week's news from the Fed included these comments on their results for 2022. Quote, the Federal Reserve Act requires reserve banks to remit excess earnings to the U.S. Treasury after providing for operating costs, payments of dividends, and any amount necessary to maintain surplus. During a period when earnings are not sufficient to provide for these costs, which is the period we're in, a deferred asset is recorded. The deferred asset is the amount of net earnings the Federal Reserve banks will need to realize 
before their remittances to the U.S. Treasury resume. That's the end of the quote. What wasn't said in their press release is that the deferred asset is an accounting gimmick which allows the Fed to hide their operating losses on their balance sheet as a negative liability. Nowhere in the statement do they mention operating losses. Their operating losses are exactly what they are incurring. For the first time in 107 years, the Fed recorded an operating loss in the fourth quarter of 2022, and it's getting much worse by the quarter. The operating loss for that quarter amounted to $15 billion. This past year, when inflation spiked to a 40-year high, the Fed did what their mandate requires them to do, which is to raise interest rates to combat the inflation. The Fed raised rates seven times last year. As was totally predictable, the rise in short-term rates due to the Fed tightening created a negative net interest rate margin for them. With $8.5 trillion in fixed-rate bonds earning 2%, the cost of the Fed's variable rate liabilities, namely the $5.7 trillion in bank reserves and reverse repo agreements, began rising. The break-even point is roughly 3%, which was exceeded when the Fed raised the Fed funds rate to 3 to 3.25% on September 21st of last year. There have been two subsequent rate hikes, bringing the federal funds rate up to four and a quarter to four and a half percent. Market expectations are that more Fed fund interest rate hikes will occur this year to the tune of another full interest rate increase up to five and a quarter to five and a half percent and possibly even higher. As a result of past and future hikes, the net interest margin will remain negative for the Fed, and they will continue to book operating losses until the Fed funds rate drops below 3% or so. No one is expecting that to happen anytime soon. Net income for 2022 for the Fed fell from $107.9 billion in 2021 to 58.4, in other words, a 46% decline. As of January 18th, a few days ago, the deferred asset account has a cumulative balance of negative $24 billion. Currently, the Fed is losing $2.2 billion a week. If rates do not change, this translates into an annual loss of $114 billion. If the Fed keeps tightening, as expected, the weekly losses will only grow. To put this in perspective, the Fed has a total capital of $42 billion. The projected losses for 2023 are almost three times the Fed's total read shareholder capital. It's only their unique and creative accounting treatment that keeps the Fed from reporting its own bankruptcy. Fortunately for them, they have the monopoly power to create new money, so I'm not on alert for their bankruptcy. I am, however, on alert for one more reason that they will be quick to return to quantitative easing from their current tightening actions. It's ironic that the Fed not only has the power to bankrupt families and companies by rapidly increasing interest rates to fight inflation, but they also in the process are technically bankrupting themselves. While placing their operating losses in a deferred asset account on their balance sheet does not affect their capital, this is strictly an accounting maneuver. The deferred asset account will continue to increase for some time. At least one projection is that this deferred asset account will grow to at least $240 billion over the next two years, and again versus their present capital of $42 billion. It's good the Fed isn't a business, as it will have cumulative losses of almost six times its equity and growing more if they don't return to lowering interest rates in 2024-2025. The operating losses and unrealized losses are 
significant, even though they're hidden. First, when it becomes more widely known that the Fed is losing money and large amounts of money, it could have political implications. When Congress begins to focus on the Fed losing money for the first time in 107 years, thereby costing taxpayers billions of dollars, they may put pressure on the administration to institute controls to limit the Fed's independence. This may become particularly contentious as discussions heat up in the ensuing months over raising the debt ceiling tied to reducing the deficit. We'll see. The second area of concern is market confidence. In many ways, the stability of our financial system is due to its confidence that the central bank is strong and in control. Continued weakness may erode that confidence. Again, this may become more significant over the brinkmanship of raising the debt ceiling. Finally, as losses continue to mount, the Fed may be forced to create new reserves to meet their obligations. This would be back to high inflation and would exacerbate the problem they're trying to solve. The Federal Reserve is awash with losses for the foreseeable future. Given all the above and more, I continue to expect higher interest rates coming our way over the next six months or nine months. I expect increases in consumer and business bankruptcies, inadequate consumer demand to pull us out of the recessionary environment, and a continued decline in the stock market as companies continue to move toward cutbacks in work hours and increasing their layoffs. We are in the early days of what will likely be a bad year for the economy. The good news is by keeping your investment dollars in cash, you should receive a great buying opportunity in the stock and bond markets by year end. But a lot will happen between now and then, and we'll continue to give you food for thought that's absent from popular media reporting. So stay cautious, be conservative with your investments, and really be careful about incurring more debt. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.